They say you can't choose your family, and that's true. You can't control what they think or feel, and you still have to see them for holidays and special events. But what can you do to keep loving your family when they are so, so wrong? Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So today we're talking about our crazy family and how we can continue to deal with them even though they enjoy expressing their closely held beliefs in such a way that it makes everybody in the world uncomfortable. And that's especially true for the holidays, but also it seems, especially with the election in 2016, that everybody had an opinion to share, uh, especially on social media. Yeah, one of the interesting articles that I read was from the San Jose Mercury News. They talked about how many families were struggling during Thanksgiving because the election was still fresh in many minds. And so many people were so divided about the election. And it put like stress on people because they were going to have to go and have these family disagreements at dinner. It's not just Thanksgiving. It's not just uh, holiday time, Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever. It's also birthdays, when you get together for Sunday dinner, whatever it is, you have to get together and sometimes talk about these things that you disagree about. And with the inauguration here, obviously, politics has been a huge, huge thing that everybody's talking about and everybody has an opinion on. uh, And it's been going on for the last year or so. And it has grown to a fever pitch. It's just ridiculous. It's, It's your relatives on social media who are finally coming out with their their ideas that you find offensive or just you just disagree with and suddenly everyone's having political discussions it used to be that we wouldn't talk about politics religion and money and these highly uh, controversial subjects but it's okay that we talk about these things but the way we talk about them and the type of conversations that we see especially in social media again or at the dinner table at the holidays has just become uh, so confrontational. Yeah, and I think we need to talk about why is it hard to talk about these things with a degree of civility? Why do these sorts of issues turn into full-blown arguments? Well, I mean, first of all, they're, they're very passionate ideas. Talking about them with civility is probably a little too much to ask. And I'm not sure that, you know, there existed a time when, you know, everybody's proper sat down at the table with perfect manners and engaged in polite discussion 100% of the time. You know, I don't think it's the case where we've just become such a barbaric society where we don't know how to communicate with each other. But I do think that a lot of the ways that we communicate tend to emphasize a lot of those issues that we do have with communication and our inability to express our, our ideas in a way that invites conversation and the sharing of opinions. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is so many of us take certain things personally. We talk about politics, we talk about religion, and we think these things, they're so so wrapped up in our, our own personal identity. We get invested in our team. We take it as a personal attack when someone disagrees. So if someone's like, I voted for Trump, 
you're like, oh, well, you're a terrible person because you voted for this guy and you must support him. And I personally feel attacked by your vote. And and the same thing is on the other side by Hillary, right? If you voted for uh, Clinton, then, you know, you, somebody might feel, oh, well, you don't love me or <laughs> you believe these things that are against my most deeply held beliefs. And it, we feel like this this personal attack when it really isn't a personal attack and it's really nothing specifically to do with you in many cases, but we take it personally and we get fired up about it because we are we are we identify on a very personal visceral level with our team not only that but it can be very personal for people who feel that they're either targeted by the other side because the other side has specifically targeted people who are a certain way whether it's you know there there are so many different ways to look at this but it is very personal. And for someone who feels targeted by the other side, they are right in feeling that way. But it comes down to a question of what is real, what is just talk, and how scared should somebody actually be? Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I think you mentioned fear. And that's one of the big things right there. We're afraid of what's going to happen. And fear is a really great motivator and fear brings out sometimes the worst in us because we're so caught up in the fear that we don't take time to take a step back. Yeah, fear is definitely a powerful motivator in what is moving these discussions along. And you can't just dismiss that type of emotion either. We just have to find a way to communicate so that we are expressing our ideas without putting anybody in a defensive situation. Yeah. And I think one more thing that we sometimes forget about, and I even do this to a certain degree, even though I live in an area where I'm constantly surrounded by the other side, differing opinions than mine, it's still very easy for me to get caught up in a bubble or echo chamber. I can choose my friends. I can choose who I hang out with online. I can choose where I get my information. And so you can create this comfortable cocoon for yourself where you're surrounded most of the time by people that agree with you and that share your political opinions and your thoughts and even to a certain degree your religion. And then you go to your family gathering and it becomes very clear that you are in this comfortable cocoon and now all of a sudden you're confronted with people who disagree with you and you're not used to that in your everyday life but now you've shown up for holidays or you've shown up for grandma's 80th birthday and now it feels like you're being blindsided even though you should have seen it coming yeah and it's probably hard or difficult to remain calm in situations like that so how can you set the stage we we know that it's hard to tackle these issues in a polite a thoughtful way, because we have a hard time with that. But how can you set the stage? How can you kind of rewire yourself so that you can set the stage so that these kinds of discussions don't get out of hand? Yeah, I think, like I just said, remaining calm, if possible, that is a good way to defuse any situation. But a lot of the time that's difficult because these are such emotional ideas and topics that we're talking about, and it's easy to get fired up. We feel that if we remain calm, then we're not fully invested in, in our approach when we're trying to get a point across. So, so being able to foster an environment where you can have 
good, solid discussions, everybody's viewpoints are welcome, is a good way to start. And that's really difficult to do when you believe that the other person's opinions are so beyond the pale that it's not even worth listening to. We have to find a way to welcome common ground in our discussions. Now, of course, the way that we're trained to express ourselves, especially on social media, I'll keep coming back to that because that's how that's aside from our gatherings, this is how we see our relatives these days. We're separated through space and we're not talking to them constantly. The only interaction, they're the biggest interaction we have with our distant relatives is often on social media. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep coming back to that and creating an environment where you can have an open exchange of ideas without getting heated is a good way to go about it. It's just going to be very difficult because you have, you're going to have people who are fighting against the whole idea and they want to get their point across. And we see through social media behavior that the best way to get your point across is to be very strong in your opinion and not be open to other people's ideas. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where things start to break down. We're always thinking about, we're not listening to the other people. We're thinking about, what am I going to say? What is my response going to be? How am I going to hit them with the facts? And sometimes I'm very guilty of this as well. Because I do a lot of research and I live in this sort of world where I <laughs> have to look things up all the time and I do fact-based information and looking at the data I'm always ready, like, I'm always ready with a fact. Yeah, facts don't help. <laughs> yeah, once again, the research shows that if you bring facts to an emotional argument, it doesn't matter whether the other person's wrong, they will double down. In the face of a fact, they will double down on their belief. So you're actually better off to listen, to hear the opinions. And I've started trying to put into practice the idea of asking, oh, well, why do you believe that? When they when they shoot out something, they, oftentimes they don't say why. They just, ah, blah, this is my opinion. And then that's like the opening salvo for an argument. And your well-reasoned, fact-based opinion doesn't matter. So a lot of the time I start asking, well, why do you feel that? You know, why did you do that? Why is this the case? And leading them down this questioning actually does more to make them think about their position and think about what they're saying than me talking at them. I find that it's helpful not to engage in this type of discussion online at all. Uh, you know, I. Oh, yeah, online, definitely not. <laughs> in person, the, the asking the questions works better in person. Online, it doesn't, just none of that works. Right. Online, you know, it's much more fashionable online to simply share an article that supports your view and perhaps not even add any commentary, but you state your opinion by through sharing uh, an article that is biased towards your view. And it's, it's just not an effective way to communicate online. In person, you can't do that. But what happens is that a lot of discussions in person start by taking a perspective that they read about online or in an article or someone told them about. It's basically sharing a meme, but you do it in person. That seems to be a way that people communicate as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting the way that our communications on social media have moved into what we do in, I guess, real life, right? In real life. It's very interesting. 
And I think one of the things that sometimes you have to do and that I have actually done in the past is if things are devolving too far and too quickly, I often just say, well, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree. Uh, let's talk about something more pleasant, shall we? How about <laughs> how about this crappy weather we've been having? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't always work. Uh, I was at Thanksgiving dinner, and someone brought up a topic that was uh, somewhat controversial, and not everybody at the table was agreeing. And there was an effort to move on from that topic and just say, okay, so, you know, how's the sports team doing? Or, you know, just move on. And unfortunately, it didn't work so much because the individual who began talking about an opinion continued, even though there were efforts <laughs> to move past that idea and move on to a less controversial topic. Yeah. And sometimes that's difficult. That's especially difficult because there's sometimes families just have that one person who's just like, we won't, we are not done till I say I'm done and you all admit I'm right. Right. And that follows online. People want to have the last word. They want to be the, the last one who says, you know, they, they won the conversation. Yeah. This idea of like, we have to win this conversation. And that's, that goes back to what kind of communicator are you? Because uh, communicating should not be about winning or losing. It should be about sharing ideas. Yeah, but we see this on TV and the political shows. We see it online. Everybody fights for their position. Everybody's a pundit. Everybody wants their opinion to change other people's opinions, and they want to be the winner. Yeah, so what can you do? What are some things that we can do to diffuse the situation or try to avoid causing irreparable harm to the relationship? I think if this goes back to the whole idea of this podcast is it's all about love, right? This this is still your family, and family can hold opposing beliefs. For the most part, there, of course, are some non-negotiables for some people, and that has to be, you know, depending on what's important to you, it's possible there are some non-negotiables. And I've seen families break apart over it, and... In some cases, it's for the best. In other cases, it's not. But we do want to hold on to our family as much as possible. And, you know, I would I would love to still maintain relationships even with the people I disagree with the most in, you know, throughout my family. Uh, so it's important to focus on that love and to find those things that you can agree on and to reinforce and remind people of the love that you have in the family. And it's not just about saying, I love you. It's about everything that you do for the family, inside the family, to show that despite our agreements, there is a lot that we have in common. We have a common bond, and that bond is important. We could need each other someday. And even if we don't, having a family relationship is so important because there are people out there there are people out there who don't have that. And so we must enjoy that as much as we can. Along with that, when you talk about your love for each other, it's it's interesting because a lot of the time we're like, oh, well, don't avoid uh, talking about feelings. Don't avoid communication. Don't avoid this stuff. Uh, you know, in your family, you'll be stronger, blah, blah, blah. My family growing up, we are champion avoiders. We don't talk about like we avoid confrontation. <laughs> we try to avoid talking about emotion. We have very intellectual type high level discussions. And a lot of it's like sharing information that other people might not know about 
certain topics so that it doesn't necessarily have to devolve into disagreements. Even though we definitely have disagreements, we are champion avoiders. And while in some ways it does make us all sort of emotionally stunted when we try and get together and share things. <laughs> On the other hand, when it comes to disagreements and controversial subjects, uh, we stick. We, we tend to avoid touchy subjects that we know are going to be touchy and cause confrontation. And so that kind of lubricates things a lot. For instance, when we had our Thanksgiving, I am the most liberal member of my family. We have a couple of centrists, and then we have a lot of real conservatives. So we all got together for Thanksgiving, but we didn't have many problems because all of us agreed that this one guy that was running for the state Supreme Court was an awful awful candidate and an awful person. And we were all glad he lost. (laughs) And we all voted for the same Supreme Court justice. And we were all very relieved that my sister-in-law will be clerking for her instead of this awful guy. And so that's the only political thing we really talked about, because that was something we all agreed on. I mean, we're champion avoiders. We know We know what's going to uh, cause controversy. We know it's going to cause a heated situation. And we're an emotionally stunted family who avoids those things. So it it works well. Yeah, I think, as you say, that works really well because other families have people who seek out and enjoy dramatic situations. Holidays are famous for having drama at the dinner table. So it's good to avoid that. I think I think it's good to avoid that. You can avoid that. There's no reason that you have to bring up controversial subjects just to talk about it, just to share your opinion. You're not going to change, you're generally not going to change people's long-held beliefs. It's great that we say that, you know, we, we love having an open mind, but there's no way, for instance, someone's going to say something and convince me of something that I just don't believe, like all immigrants are terrorists or something like that. There are people who believe that, and they will share their opinion, but my opinion is not going to change. I don't think we need to deport every immigrant, for example. It's it's okay to avoid these types of confrontations, no matter what the discussion is, because the purpose of it is really all about speaking your opinion because you're not going to change anybody else's opinion for the most part and it creates drama that is completely unnecessary. So look for those common things like the Supreme Court justice that you all agree on. Look for the things that you can discuss in such a way that everybody finds common ground and comes back to the fact that, you know, you're a family or you're a group of friends and you have a common bond in something. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite suggestions from there's a Psych Central article about ideas for diffusing a controversial situation or a situation that's devolving. And my favorite suggestion on this list was to spill something as a distraction. Like that really, <laughs> I loved that. Because it's like, well, what can you do? Well, just knock over. But you got to be careful. You don't want to knock over the wine on the nice carpet, because that starts a whole new family feud <laughs> over something else. <laughs> That sounds like something right out of a sitcom. But you know, you maybe dump peas all over across the table. Oh my gosh, I am so clumsy. I am so sorry. And you know, by the time you've cleaned it up and everything else, you have you, you have an opening to start a new subject of conversation. Yeah, any kind of distraction I think is helpful to getting off 
a path that looks like it's going down the wrong road. Uh, it's heading to somewhere where you think it's going to create a damaging situation to the family, uh, emotionally or in in relationships, whatever it happens to be. Uh, distraction like that, I mean, it sounds like it's right out of a sitcom, but, and I can't say that I've seen that happen in any kind of situation that I've been in, but it sounds like it's a great idea. Right. And, and then another thing, I like how you mentioned to changing the subject you can always fall back on people's kids and people's pets. Like seriously, if things are going bad or something's, you know, whatever. Hey, I saw that cute picture of so-and-so in their piano recital. How's that going? (laughs) It's, Mm -hmm. you know, people love to talk about their kids. They love to talk about their pets. Hey, how's your little pug doing? You know, it's such a cute holiday sweater you put on them. I think it's terrible, by the way, to dress up your dogs, but whatever. (laughs) So trying to change the subject doesn't always work, like I found out at Thanksgiving. But when you can't change the subject and someone continually goes back to what they want to talk about, even though it's controversial and causing other people to be uncomfortable, sometimes it helps to just stand up and walk away for a little bit. Take some time away from the conversation, excuse yourself, just exit for a few, a few moments that will help keep your blood pressure low so you're not getting fired up about something, someone's opinion that you have no control over. Center yourself, focus, refocus, and when you're ready, go back to the table or go back to the gathering, sit back down. You'll be in a much better frame of mind for if you have to continue to listen, then you can continue to listen. But otherwise, perhaps the topic, perhaps people have moved on to something else now that you have taken a break. Yeah, I actually spend a lot of time in the bathroom during um, certain times of the year when there's a lot of religious conferencing going on in my family's religion. Uh, because everybody else, uh, with the exception of a couple of you know degenerate cousins, um, Everybody else is a member of this dominant religion in our family. And, you know, a couple of times a year, there are these big meetings. And a lot of the time, there'll be some sort of um, a talk or a sermon that just really, really, I I take issue with. And so I actually usually spend a lot of time in the bathroom during these times. I just kind of go and sit down, just sit in there. Because nobody's going to bother you while you're in the bathroom. I turn on the fan. And sometimes I'm just sitting on the floor, like, messing around on my phone. But yeah, sometimes I leave the situation and just go hide in the bathroom to like kind of get away from that. You know, it's interesting. You and I, Miranda, are both introverts. As far as I know, you are. Uh, Perhaps I'm wrong, but I feel that you are. (laughs) Oh, I am. (laughs) You have me pegged. I think in the way that we, we, there, there isn't a lot of great science behind the idea of introvert and extrovert, but there is some research from what I can see, it seems like there are people who let's let's look at it this way. There are people who like drama and there are people who don't like drama. Okay, there are people who shy away from drama. And this, these political discussions, these sharing of opinions, these arguments, these we call them debates, they're not really debates, but let's face it, it's it's an aspect of drama. And I get tired out by that. So I don't want to spend too much time in dramatic situations. So I am okay with escaping or avoiding, you know, not fruitful discussions that I might have with people. I love talking to people. I love being in group discussions. But when it comes to these controversial things, like you, I will 
take some time away from it and allow the drama to happen somewhere else. But people who get involved and very, very much speaking from their heart and they have to get their ideas out, these also tend to people who thrive in drama and they're okay with confrontation. They thrive on that as well. And that's that's fine. But not everybody is like that. I escape from that. Miranda, it sounds like you escape from that. And it is okay to not want to have that type of confrontation, especially at events that are important to you or even or even in social media. I mean, I I don't like when people post things to my Facebook timeline. I'd rather have that as a place for, you know, that's kind of my place, my home. I don't want people coming in and posting things there, but people do. Thankfully, just not very political stuff because I'm just not into that on Facebook. You know, you can go in your settings and make it so that people can't post to your timeline, right? Yeah, I've done that. And uh, I've, you know, I <laughs> so I did do that. Then I can't write happy birthday on your timeline, which also it, makes me sad. It's true. And my girlfriend likes being able to post things on my timeline. And so Facebook settings aren't completely configurable. We don't have to get into all of this. But for the time being, I have to leave that setting open so people can post on my timeline. (laughs) But it is something to think about is if somebody's taking over your feed or you're getting tired of people posting things you don't necessarily agree with, you can make that um, an option. So let's talk about what you can do now as you get ready to prepare for your next family gathering. We've made it through the holidays, hopefully mostly intact in terms of family relationships And now you've got to get ready for the next big thing, whether it's a birthday party, whether it's a dinner, whether it's an anniversary celebration. What are some of the things that you can do now to start getting ready for the next big disagreement? Well, you could write down the controversial ideas that you think might be uh, addressed, uh, depending on who's attending this next family gathering. And you can prepare yourself by prepare yourself, I I mean, just be aware of what's going to happen. Of course, you can start to do the research and come uh, supplied with facts that support your position. But all that's going to do is is raise the room's blood pressure quite a bit, because that just provides if people aren't swayed by facts, like we said, so you just have to be ready for what's coming at you. Yeah. And one of the things that I like to do when it comes to writing down potential sticking points and thinking about it, it's more an exercise in reminding myself that they see the world maybe slightly differently than I do and that that's okay. Because sometimes it is surprising when you get in that environment and you're like, oh my gosh, that's right. We, we kind of don't see things the same way. And sitting down and writing down is a way for me to kind of reconnect with that and remind myself that not everybody has the same worldview I do. Uh, We don't all see the same solutions to the problems. Even if we see the same problems, we don't see the same solution. And it's a good way to just remind myself and be prepared for that so that I'm not taken by surprise and so that I can be in a calmer state of mind. It helps to practice as well. The more you get in the habit of dealing with people who have opposing viewpoints, learn how to handle it yourself without getting into a fiery argument and 
making things escalate from there. Practice de-escalating the situation. Practice, figure out what works for the most aggressive people in your life and learn how to communicate with them so that everybody comes out of the encounter unscathed. Yeah, I like that as well. It's a good thought exercise. And finally, sit down and really consider whether or not you need to go to the family gathering. I found that you know, there are some family gatherings that I go to, and that's great. And sometimes I'm like, I don't need to go to every single family gathering. It's okay to skip out on some things. I don't need to go to every baby blessing. I don't need to go to every baptism. I don't need to go to uh, every, uh, you know, when, uh, when my brother's in town, I don't need to go across town and go to church with everybody. Like you just, you know, at first I thought I had to do all those things and try to make every single thing but I have a fairly large family, and that's not practical. And of course, once again, it comes to those stressful disagreements. So sometimes you need to limit your exposure. And I know people who have unfriended aunts and uncles on Facebook because of how things devolve so quickly when it comes to them or how they're always up in their business on Facebook. And so really take a look at, okay, what are the most important things that I need to go to? Uh, How can I see the maximum number of people with the fewest amount of gatherings? I mean, sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, and I think it's important that we can use our settings on social media to not always unfriend, but just to hide the updates from people who are constantly exposing their views or showing people who they really are, let's say. And you don't have to necessarily unfriend people because... This is, you know, this is your family and you want to stay within a family relationship with them unless they have targeted you specifically, in which case, you know, you have, you, you do choose your family, right? Uh, As adults, you don't have to acknowledge every relationship that you have. Uh, You can move past things and you can look for other ways to have those family relationships or look to other people. But Use the tools that are available to you online to keep the negativity out of your life, especially if it isn't constructive discussion. And yes, people say, oh, you don't want to silo yourself. You don't want to just expose yourself to people who agree with you all the time. And that's true. But what I find on social media is that the type of information that's out there is often not not the quality opposing views that you need to have around you. It's it's emotional. It is biased. Almost everything that is shared as a meme, the most shareable things are the most biased things out there. That's great if it's biased towards your beliefs. You, you can sh- you share those and you feel that they are the truth. But other people have other truths that they believe and they will share those. And... They are, they're opposing so much that it just doesn't make sense to expose yourself to things like that. No, you don't want to shut yourself off to opposing views, but especially on social media, a lot of what is opposing views is going to be not great information in the first place. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's probably something for another episode as well. We'll have to consider that, uh, talking about information and where you get your sources. Absolutely. Yeah. Media literacy is incredibly important. And uh, we should talk about that. So we have a listener question. 
This listener wrote in with this question. It's impossible to have a conversation with my parents anymore. Since I've changed religions, they're always trying to convert me back every time we talk. What can I do to get this behavior to stop? I think that's a perfect question for you, Miranda. (laughs) Yay. I'm fortunate in that my parents, once again, like I said, we're champion avoiders. We try to pretend like unpleasant things aren't happening. So everybody just sort of ignores the fact that I don't do church. And we just move on from it. And it doesn't matter that much. So each of them one time about a year ago, said, oh, you know, you really should consider coming back to church. And oh, you know, uh, your son might benefit if you came back to church. That's pretty much all they said on the matter, and they haven't pushed it since. So I'm very fortunate in that regard, but I know not everybody else is. And I think the hard thing is, at some point, you just have to express the boundary and say, Mm -hmm. and say very politely, I appreciate your concern for me, but I feel a lot of peace on this path. And I feel like these discussions add a lot of unnecessary contention to the situation. And I think expressing that you acknowledge their love and you acknowledge that they're just trying to help you, uh, but you do feel peace on your path and you're happy with your path and that you know you want to maintain good relations and you love them as well and you, and you love them and you want to have good relationship with them but that having these conversations aren't productive to your relationship. And that's hard because the hard thing about religion, and especially with parents and watching their children with religion, is that you tend to feel guilt, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, I didn't teach them well enough. Oh, they're going against uh, you know whatever, and they're not going to join me in paradise. And that's very difficult as a parent, but you do need to say that just you know, acknowledge their love for for you and acknowledge that you love them as well. But, you know, express the peace you feel on this path and that you want to continue having good relationships, good loving relationships with them. If they still won't stop, I do know, I do know somebody who just refused to talk to their parents for about two months and said, this is why, you know, when their parents were like, oh, how come you're always busy when we call or how come you never want to talk? He finally, he finally just said, this is why, because you keep bringing this up and it's very contentious and I want to have nice conversations with you and celebrate the fact that we love each other. And if you're going to turn every conversation into this marathon session of conversion, then I, I can't talk to you. It's very stressful for me. And when he owned that and was very upfront about it, it changed the tenor of the conversation. But the fact that he did, you know, kind of walk the walk for a couple months and, you know, made excuses and didn't take their calls and didn't talk to them really kind of woke them up to the fact that it really was stressful for him to have these conversations. Be upfront from the start. Don't don't just shut people out and let them feel that without knowing why they're being shut out. Let them know that, listen, this is stressful. This is not the conversation I want to have. And if it continues, then I'm going to have to pull back and you won't hear from me as much. Being upfront with that, I think, is a good way to go. And keep in mind that your family is looking out for your best interest. They're not doing this because they want to control you or they want you to believe what they believe. They often are just looking out for what they believe to be uh, best for you. They're, they're concerned. They want you to live the life that they believe is the best life to live. Now, 
you disagree, obviously, and you have to express that, but at least keep in mind that they're doing this out of love and they don't wish ill on you. And that can be hard because look at this in a different situation. What if you were gay and your parents or relatives did not approve of that? Then, you know, obviously this is something that is more, this is not a choice. This is who you are. And it can be very difficult to deal with a family who doesn't accept you for who you are. Now, of course, religious beliefs are very similar. You don't always choose to believe what you believe, but this is something to keep in mind as well, that you have to weigh what's important to you as a person, uh, especially with your identity being one of the most important things, and whether you can you can continue to maintain relationships with people who don't accept you for who you are. And it goes back to setting the boundaries, like Miranda said uh, at the very beginning of this segment. Yeah, and I think this is a great place to stop. So make sure you head on over to adulting.tv. If you have a question, send it in. Go to adulting.tv slash iTunes to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to act like a grown-up until we talk to you again. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.